because it didn't matter how much you lift when you were there. We were gonna lift it so many times that you were gonna die, right? Those muscles were not gonna be able to do it anymore. And your mind would be the only thing pushing that weight, right? So think about that for a second. It could be, it doesn't matter. You could lift 500 pounds or you could lift 150 pounds. But if you do it to the death, if you do it to you can't do it anymore, now what do you do, right? So now you're talking into the mental capacity and the heart of an individual, right? That's where you know, okay, well, if I get into something, if I get into some real trouble here, if something really happens and physically it's not there, and because your mind, your mind can make your body do so much more than what you think, right? The body is capable, but it's your mind. Most people, it's their mind that keeps you back. Southwest Florida is one of the most beautiful places on the planet to live. For those of you that are thinking of moving from other states to come to Florida, or even just moving to a different part of the state, I want you to think of a big, beautiful luxury home. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders. They are a family-owned and operated luxury residential construction company. As a family-owned business, they believe in the power of building not just homes, but legacies. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders. Unlock your true potential on the field and court with our peak mental performance program for athletes. Train your mind to conquer challenges, stay focused under pressure, and achieve unparalleled success. Our expert coaches will guide you through personalized techniques, enhancing concentration, resilience, and confidence. Picture yourself outperforming your rivals, making split-second decisions with clarity, and achieving victory like never before. Join us today and elevate your game to new heights. Peak Mental Performance Program, where champions are forged in the mind. Email me today, sean.french at thedeterminedsociety.com for more information. See you inside. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Determined Society. I am your host and the mental performance coach for all athletes and peak performers. I have with me today, y'all, uh, a wonderful gentleman who played uh, the, the football at the highest level possible. Before that, he was a 2006 national champion at the University of Florida, linebacker, star of untold uh, Netflix series, Untold the Swamp Kings. I have with me the owner of Legacy Pro Sports and the ever-amazing Brandon Siler. What's up, buddy? What's happening, man? How you doing, Sean? I appreciate you for having me. Oh, absolutely, man. We've been trying to schedule this for quite some time. I'm happy we were able to finally lock it in on a nice little Wednesday morning and, and wrap a little bit, yeah. man. So, dude, so, of course, you know, you know, watching you on the Swamp Kings, I'm like, dude, this is someone I need to have on my show as soon as humanly possible because I just loved your 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 fire, your passion for what you were doing back then. And I know you're bringing it into what you're doing now when we'll get to that. But I think what the audience is really going to really want to dive into is just the mindset of being a high performing athlete at a University of Florida when you had all the dudes there and you guys were chasing so many different things under the, the leadership of Urban Meyer. Tell everybody what that was like, man. You know, it was different, man, because um, everything was uh, about production, right? I told a story of like how um, I had a, I had a chain that I would put on and we had every link to that chain. I'm talking about a huge chain. This thing is, mm -hmm. you know, 
100 over 100 pounds right and i would when a guy would prove himself worthy you would be able to sign your name and you put it on a link on that chain right and we said that we was only as strong as our weakest link well me and urban used to get into it all the time about the names on this chain because of course him as a coach he wants to put everybody on the chain eventually you know um Mm -hmm. And I just was like, well, there's some guys that never should be on this chain because I don't ever want that to be how strong we are, you know? So we argued back and forth about that. But um, as the year went on and more people bought in and more people proved they're so worthy, more people got on it. And eventually, I think it was the first time it was the SEC championship when everybody was actually on that chain, you know? Amazing. It's an amazing thing because, you know, at LSU, I played baseball there in 01 to 03, you know, so I'm an SEC brother as Mm -hmm. well. And we had this thing called hold the rope. And the idea behind it was, you know, Skip Bourbon talked about hanging the rope down the cliff. What teammate do you want holding on the other end if you're going to fall to your death? And some dudes would be like, you know, yo, I want Warren Morris. Like, hey, I want this guy. And Skip was like, well, the correct answer is it doesn't matter. Right. So it's kind of the same thing, right? You want everybody to be worthy of holding that rope. You want everybody to be worthy of having a link in that chain because it's so symbolic to what goes out on the gridiron, man. I mean, watching the story. And again, of course, I'm a big, you know, college sports guy. I just remember, man, like that era. I mean, being an LSU guy, I was like, dude, is like, is like Siler and Tebow ever going to go away? Because I can't stand this, man. I can't stand it. Um, but you guys were some strong people, dude. How, how, and again, you know, I have my theories, but you know, talk to, talk to the audience about how you guys got so close and so strong as a unit, because the believability that you guys had in each other and yourselves was like that, that that's missing nowadays, man. in these young athletes. Yeah. And it's missing a lot of different places. Um, when it comes to team sports, uh, I'll give you another mm-hmm. philosophy kind of that we went by, right. Um, we had, uh, urban used to say, look, there's a wall in front of us, sitting in front of us, right? And every single one of us, if we run at 100%, you and your teammates, we run at 100%, we'll run through that wall. And on the other side is everything that we ever want, okay? It'll be the championships. Mm. It'll be the money. It'll be the fame. It'll be everything else on the mm. other side of that wall, right? But if one person didn't go at 100%, Everybody that went at 100% will break their necks and not be able to do this ever again. Mm. So how much did you trust that person next to you that that person was going to run at 100% trusting the fact that you wouldn't be the one that let them down and they break their neck and not Mm. run through the wall? So those kind of philosophies are uh, philosophies that are great for team sports, right? Because what it does is it, it it allows you to dub more into who the people are that are around you, what makes them go, what makes them don't go, you know, what makes them um, have bad days and good days, right? And that's why as I told in the Netflix documentary of the story of basically how I went and connected with every little subgroup there was, um, you know, I would stay after and study with the geeks, right? I would go to the club with the thugs, right? I would uh, go hunting with the country boys, right? So that mm-hmm. when Jimbo Tart was not having a bad day and he was this big country kid, uh, I knew what 
motivated Jimbo Tart. I knew why he did it, and I was able to pull on those strings. Um, and then the second part of that is when you spend that time with them guys, also letting them into who you are, right? Because a lot of leaders, they want to, oh, yeah, we'll do it. I'll, I'll hang with you. You let, let, let me know what makes you go. But you never give mm-hmm. a piece of that to everybody else around you that you're eventually trying to lead. Then guess what? They won't mm-hmm. go as hard for you. They won't be there as much for you because you haven't let them into your world. So that's kind of a two-pronged thing when trying to get a team on the same page and getting that kind of like family aspect behind, um, you know, making your team into a a team that's so close that you're pretty much like a family. Dude, spot on, bro. When you talk about getting in everybody's world, right? Talking about studying with the geeks, going to hunt with the country boys, go clubbing with the thugs, all that kind of stuff. You know, you get a peek inside the world. You understand what makes them tick, but we're all – I don't say all, but most leaders go wrong is that's where they stop. Right. right. And you, and you mentioned something to me that I don't know if you saw the reaction on my face. It really piqued my interest because I believe as a leader that if you cannot give a peek behind the curtain of what you're about and what makes you tick, what your fears are, your insecurities, whatever it is, everybody has those things as a leader. If you can't show the people that are working with you or, you know, side by side or in your, in yours, in your case now as an entrepreneur, that ain't going to work right. for you. I mean, I can take that to parenting yeah. too. I, I let my three kids know exactly what my weaknesses wow. are, bro. Like yep. straight up. Like I apologize when I get it wrong. You're going to, you're going to like this story. So last night, my son, he's, he's almost 10. He's at a little minor baseball game, fall ball. Mm-hmm. And he's in that, he's in that age where he's like, I'm going to LSU dad. No problem. I'm like, bro, like you, you better get a little dog in you then because you, you know, you're, you're not quite there mentally yet, right? As you're nine, dude, chill, have fun, yeah. fall in love with the game. <laughs> but he's at this age, man, in this in this thing where every time he makes a mistake, he wants to act like he's hurt, uh-huh. right? To cover up the fact that he made that right. mistake. And dude, I already had a bad day yesterday. We're sitting there and we're just walking the ballpark and not doing very well. Well, you know, nobody on, nobody out. He gets a ground ball at shortstop. Okay, fields it cleanly. Looks around, doesn't know where to throw it. I'm like, what in the hell is going on with this kid right now? And so he doesn't throw it. Like he doesn't throw it to first base. And then he throws it to the pitcher, but overthrows the pitcher. So the guy, the, the runner to goes second. to second. And then in a, a and then the catcher throws it. And apparently the second baseman him jumped. And I guess the second baseman came down on his finger. I didn't see it. And all of a sudden he's on the ground crying. And daddy's right right i'm going somewhere with this man so he comes off the field i'm like just go just go sit down like why is it every time that you're getting hurt or you you make a mistake you're acting like you're hurt man that's why i'm mad i don't care that you made the mistake i sat there and i thought about it like man i didn't even ask him what happened i didn't even ask him what happened so i sit him down i go hey i'm sorry i didn't ask you what happened what happened he's like i stepped on i was like well i made a mistake you know i'm your dad i'm your coach I'm sorry. Uh, do you forgive me? Like a lot of times I jump to conclusions. I said, and I go, that's not, that's not a very good job of leading you right now. And so like, that's the point, man, is allowing the people that you're working with or working for you to know that you're, you're just a flawed individual as well. And you're in apologizing and let them know where you fall short. Right? Yeah. I understand that. And I completely hear your story, but at the end of the day, you also knew that he faked being hurt because he made that mistake. Right. 
dog. Hey, homeboy was fine and after is, an inning. And this is and this is the thing. This is where um, you take that next level, that next that that next level of understanding, right? It's like I knew that he faked, right? Mm-hmm. But what I have to make him do is come to that conclusion on his own. Because if I just say, mm-hmm. if I just say, "Hey, son, man, you 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 can't keep, keep faking every time you make a mistake," right? Mm-hmm. He's gonna say, "Well, he doesn't yeah. care about my finger." You know what I'm saying? So, well, I mean, a baseball player. I mean, I mean, you're a football high level football guy. I'm like, you, you need, need that finger. That finger. Ronnie Lott bit his own finger off. Like (laughs) it's in your glove hand, bro. It's what you need. (laughs) So so, you ain't throwing with that thing. Right. And I think that is the thing that we have to learn. Like, even as leaders, as teammates, as Mm -hmm. parents, everything is that uh, there's a way to talk him through that. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, son, so uh you you didn't know what to throw at the first base, right? You're like, well, no, I didn't. Got a little confused there. That's that's not a problem, you know. Uh, but mm-hmm. getting stepped yeah. on, if it wasn't after that play, you think you probably would have came out still? Uh, I don't know, yeah. Dad. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, well. Now we got to combine these two, son. When you make a mistake yeah. like this, we can't have you reacting like this to an injury because you usually wouldn't do that, right? If you made that yeah. play and then got stepped on, you're back up and you're still in the game, right? Your teammates are counting on you. And if you're going to be the type of player that you need to be, when you fail or when something goes wrong, you can't cop out by saying that you hurt because then you miss the opportunity to be the hero in a situation where they really truly exactly. You know what I'm saying? And bro, to be honest, like I said, like for for real, and he was he was back in next inning. Right. He was fine. Of course, of course. He run around. Ain't nothing wrong with his finger. You know that? Yeah, you know it. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Oh, bro, all these parents are looking at me like, oh, boy, French is about to lose it. He's about to lose it on his kid. I said hey, I said to my coach, my, my assistant, oh, hey, bro, you handle this. I can't ride <laughs> Like he, People are bringing him ice. I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, uh, but, you know, it was it was one of those moments, man. And you're age, right. You know, and I got age. a 10-year-old, same thing, man. It's that age, you know, mm-hmm. limping off the field. And I told him, like, son, you limping off the field. You don't, you don't ever have that opportunity if, if – if Jordan misses a shot with a minute left and he goes out of the game, it's only 60 more seconds left. If he goes out of the game faking like he's hurt, when it's nine seconds left and it's somebody, they need somebody to pass the ball to, you're not there, right? So yes. it's all about that exactly. ability to be able to uh, take controversy or take things that go wrong and fight through them so that you can still be there uh, when it's time for things to go right. Or when you work your butt off, I'm with you, bro. And and, and dude, that's life. That's life. Yeah, that's it. That that's life, that's man. I, I mean, it's it's one of those things like sports, man. Like our job when we're you know walking our kids through you know sports and extracurriculars. It's not about the sport. It's about I want to know. I want to teach you how to react in life. Mm-hmm. You know, or I'm sorry, respond, not react. Because like yesterday, I think that was a reaction. Yeah. Right. And then here I am reacting, not responding in the same moment. It's just, it's a vicious Ah. cycle. It's like, goodness gracious, like calling myself out here. Dang it. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't do it. He made me do it. Oh man. And you know, these kids, they get stronger as they get older. You know, and that just that age is right there in the middle of it too. But you know, you just Mm -hmm. get, and like you said, that's life right? It's teaching them to fight through it. It's just like every game, right? Um, 
there's nobody the, the the true stories the great games aren't the ones where they executed mm-hmm. perfectly right nobody's ever going to remember yeah. the game that went that was 49 to 0 right they remember the game that you were down 29 at halftime and came back you know what i'm saying like that man, man. is okay they had adversity and then they was able to fight through that adversity and persevere and overcome that adversity and ultimately still win you know what I'm saying? So those are the great Absolutely. stories. That's why yeah. everybody, every athlete wants to claim that they're from the hood, right? It's like, well, no, you, no, you're not, right? You know, you, you didn't have a trouble. You didn't have yeah. a trouble growing up. It's like, yeah, I did. I, you know, only rode, I rode in a three-year-old Lexus, you know, it was three years old already, you know, we, we struggled, you know, it's like. Oh, there was crank no, windows. But that's the story, right? Everybody yeah. wants to hear yeah. the story of perseverance. You know, it's why, you know, it's the difference between, you know, fans of somebody like LeBron um, and then mm-hmm. fans of somebody like Steph Curry, right? Now, as I hit mm-hmm. this moment in my life where I'm different, I'm, I, I was raised way different than uh, my sons are going to be raised, right? Like, my, I'm raising my son. Sure. Yeah you know, riding around in Midlands, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, so where do they find that motivation? And actually, um, I feel like, a, a, I used to feel like the story was all LeBron, right? It's like, this is a guy that fought through everything, da, da, da. But a more interesting story to me now after raising my kids is, well, how do the guys like Steph, right? How do they, where do they find the motivation, right? Like mine was, I want to change my whole family dynamic. I don't want to be poor anymore. Yeah. All of that. Now, if you have it, you got to draw even deeper. There got to be a deeper sense of wanting to be great for yourself and who mm-hmm. you are, right? That when you're somebody that grows up with it, you got to go and tap into that. And even parenting style, it's a lot harder for us in that next generation because we don't truly understand mm-hmm. what makes our kids go without talking to them and understanding, you know, mm-hmm. where they come from. And I made a, um, uh, I made kind of a, I, I was talking to one of my buddies the other day and I was like, you know, what I've learned is that my kids have the same level of problems that I have, that I had growing up, right? If mine mm-hmm. was, oh, we didn't know what we were going to find our next meal, right? He has a problem that's that important to him in his life. It might not be as detrimental yeah. as my problem, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like, yeah. like, dang, yeah. there's no, um, there's nothing without peanuts in the ice cream line, and I'm allergic to peanuts, and he's stressed out because everybody is eating the peanut ice cream and he ain't. But yeah, him it's that yeah. level of problem, and that's where you got to meet him at. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the yeah. same thing with all of my employees um, at all my different companies. Um, I think it's the same thing when. I was trying to lead a football team or you're trying to lead someone in sports. It's that same thing. You got to meet them where they at. And in order to do that, you got to really get to know the person and know what makes them go and what, what doesn't make them go, what they like, what they don't like, what they love. What they- I love that dude. And it, dude, it's so, it's so important, man. And it, it segues into the next topic because I think that you, you know, in a sports team or, you know, in companies or even just in a family dynamic, you really don't know what anybody's made out of until you see them break. Right. And I, and I think that is, that's the moment, right? So walk us through those moments in college, right? Cause I mean, it's documented. I mean, your, your guys's workouts, 
scare the shit, scare the absolute, you know what out of me. Like I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm like, is this guy mental? Like, what is he doing? Right. But again, you can see it in someone's eyes when they're about to break and they're going through so much physical pain. What can their mind, where can they put their mind to push through it? That, that embodies how they're going to perform on the field and in life. So walk us through that. I man. think that is um, one of the strongest things ever is what our workouts was um, to me, wasn't even physical. You know, it was so mm-hmm. much physical that it took the physical element out of it. Right. Because, yeah, because it didn't matter how much you lift when you were there, we were going to lift it so many times that you were going to die. Right. Those muscles were not mm-hmm. going to be able to do it anymore. And your mind mm-hmm. would be the only thing pushing that weight. Right. So think about that for a second. It could be, it doesn't matter. You could live 500 pounds or you could live 150 pounds. But if you do it to the death, if you do it to you can't do it anymore. Now, what do you do? Right. So now mm-hmm. you're talking into the mental capacity and the heart of an individual, right? That's where you know, okay, well, if I get into something, if I get into some real trouble here, if something really happens and physically it's not there and because your mind, your mind can make your body do so much more than what you think, right? The body is, Mm -hmm. but it's your mind. Most people, it's Mm -hmm. their mind that keep them back. So those workouts that we had, the midnight lifts, the Halloween lifts, all of that stuff, to mentally strong people, we loved it. Right. A guy like me, yeah. a guy like Tebow. I mean, those nights, I loved it. I couldn't wait till I get there. Right. Yeah. And I'm yeah. there early, like yeah. getting ready for it. But you could see on Halloween, yeah. just ready. Yeah. And you could see guys <laughs> like scared to walk in there because they know yeah. that they're not going to be able to hide. Like what what's yeah. truly inside of them. They can live 500 pounds all they want. Right. That's a strength thing. But they knew that mm-hmm. in that workout, they were going to get broken down and all of what they had up underneath that 500-pound body was coming out of them, right? They were going to go that, tap deep down into their heart and to their mental capacity to a point that when you can't do it anymore, what do you do? Do you keep fighting? Do you yeah. get everything that your body can give for those one, two more reps? Or do you quit, right? And when you quit in our organization, when you quit in our team, it, it was a spotlight shine right down on you and we could tell that yeah. you quit. I mean, some of those things that we did, like, you know, you had to get past the line and there was no rules, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know, my move, you know, get somebody in the headlock, they can pass out, right? And then let's go, y'all wake them up, <laughs> I won, you know? So those were the couple of things that though, I loved, right? I was like, Give it to me. I love all of that. But yeah. what happened yeah. is after doing that over and over and over again, what it does is it strengthens people's mind, right? Because they understand that they got to go through this anyway. So why not just keep fighting, 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 fighting and give everything that you got, even when you ain't got no more, just give it. And now you don't got this spotlight shining down on you and you've learned that your mind can take your body so much further than you thought it could in the first place. So that was kind of the philosophy behind that. And I think that's what, you know, one of the philosophies that made us unstoppable to a point, you know, like we just felt like nobody could beat us. 
It was scary. I mean, the, the, those those squads were scary, man. And I'm going to tell you, this is a great point because when and, and this is something that I think that people really struggle with in today's society is they're so apprehensive to go to that place, to go to that place of absolute and utter discomfort, of darkness, of despair. And like, dude, that's where they're going to find themselves. That's exactly where they're going to realize, wait a second, all the stuff in my mind of how bad it was going to be, how, how terrible I was going to perform. Those were just bad thoughts Mm -hmm. and that's head trash. And what really happened is I got through it. So why can't I do it again? And now when you're sitting there, you know, in the middle of the swamp and there's a hundred thousand people there yelling and screaming and it's a, you know, big sec matchup you know like you've already been there in your own mind like the outcome is going to be the outcome let's just go yeah i mean i go back to my very first play in the swamp it was probably the biggest blessing that i had right um i'm on kickoff return we're playing maybe middle tennessee somebody one of the smaller schools and um i'm on kickoff return and i've been working this thing all week right special teams I got to mm-hmm. run all the way back. I got to go get R4. You know, I got to go run back 20-something yards, turn around, engage my block and keep it, try to get this turn out of there. So mm-hmm. all I was thinking about was that, right? And lo and behold, it's my first play ever in the swamp. And I'm like, all right, go back. Get R4. Get R4. Get R4. And I go to turn as the ball is kicked, and they onside kick it right at me. <laughs> and I'm like, I know they didn't just onside kick this damn ball. And I go oh, to jump man. on it and boop, it squirts out and they get the ball. My very first play in the oh, swamp. No. Right? Welcome to the swamp, I baby. Forget, <laughs> I will never forget the amount of anxiety that I had inside mm-hmm. of me before that first play. And mm-hmm directly walking off that field afterwards, Charlie Strong, I'll never forget this. He says, well, the worst thing that ever could happen to you has happened. So might as well go play football now, right? And I said, said, you know what? You're right. Right? Like, now I'm free. You know, like the worst has happened. Yeah. So nothing else can be worse than that. So now I can just go play freely. And it allowed me to mm. erase that anxiety. And that, that tells you that something negative, right? How you react to it, how your mindset is after that happens to you is what really makes you into that ultimate warrior. What really can prepare you as a leader and as the ultimate teammate. Like that is you take that, spin it and like, well, shit, now I'm loose. Now I'm losing. Everybody mm-hmm. got to get it now, you know. And the rest Dude, is just- I, I, I really hope that for the people that are listening right now, I want you to close your eyes and think about all the anxieties you have before you go make that sales call, before you hop in the batter's box, before you throw your first pass, jump off your first block. Like guys, if the bad thing happens, there's there's always the next play, right? There's the next time in your job is to understand that it's okay. You know, peak performance, I talk to this with the athletes that I work with, peak performance does not mean perfect performance by any stretch of the imagination. Like if y'all are shooting to be perfect, 
like in the year you guys won the national championship in 2006, it looked like a perfect season, but it wasn't a perfect season. There was many failures, you know, throughout that season. So let's walk the audience through maybe one of the biggest things like adversity things that you guys experienced that year and still walk through and then won the national championship. I mean, we lost that year. We lost to Auburn, right? Um, yep. And I still remember for about 20 minutes, I just sat on the field like not believing that we ever could lose. I was so strong mm-hmm. in my belief that nobody could beat us that mm-hmm. it took me 20 minutes after the game to stop mm-hmm. saying, we got it, we coming back. We got it, we good, we coming back. The game was over, and everybody was looking at me like I was crazy. I'm like, no, nah, we could, we got it. Yeah, We got it, we got yeah. it. And then once the trigger let off that, oh, shit, we don't got it. We lost, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Then the eruption happens, right? And that talks into that eruption of the locker room when I went inside when I got back in the locker room and it was just a instance of, listen, guys, I'm holding everybody accountable, right? You did this, you did that, you did this. It needs to be fixed. This is something that you've been doing for a long time and ain't nobody saying shit, but you need to be doing this and you ain't been doing it. And now it shows up in Mm -hmm. a game and now we get beat, right? So, Holding everybody, it was a lot more violent of a situation than that. But that's pretty much what happened afterwards, right? And it wasn't just a point and fingers thing, right? It was an accountability thing. But I also made myself accountable to them. I said, you are, you know, you'll never see anybody that's going to push harder and go harder, right? And you have to understand, when I do that whole thing at Auburn, you know, Tim Tebow's a freshman sitting in the locker room watching that, right? And then I loved it because the year, um, mm-hmm. years after I left, you see Tim go up on that podium and basically say, I'm holding my, you won't see a person that works harder than me. You won't see a team that works harder than me. And it was like looking in the mirror, like, oh my God, here it yeah. is, right? Leadership. I would put all my money on these jokers to win the national championship mm-hmm. after that because I understood where he was coming from, and I had seen that. I had seen that fire in my mm-hmm. eye when I did it in the um, in Auburn the year that we won it. You know what I'm saying? So that's where it's just Amazing. like you have to understand that adversity is going to come, right? Um, and mm-hmm. the assumption of perfection is one of the one of the things that keeps people from doing ultimately what they're able to do and being as great as they possibly can, right? I'll give you an everyday scenario, okay? I have a guy that washes my cars, okay? Great Mm -hmm. at washing cars. I mean, looks looks like it came fresh off the dealership every time that he washes them, right? But I had, I started off washing, he washed two cars. Well, now I have three cars and a big Sprinter van, four cars, right? But every time that he comes, he's only able to wash two cars at a time. Right. Because he's blown up. He's gotten that busy. He's, he's that good. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, I said, I said, hey, uh, you know, why would you only watch two cars when you come, when you have the capacity to make the amount of money or even over double because the other one's a sprinter. Right. And he says, well, mm-hmm. you know, you trust me to wash these cars. So I don't trust anybody else to wash your cars and I have to schedule it out and I'm busy. Boom, boom, boom. boom. Right. I said. I said, but that doesn't make sense because now you're leaving business on the table. 
I said, why don't you train somebody? He's like, you know, I just don't trust people, you know, to, 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 to wash the cars the way that I do. Mm. I said, bro, that's all in your head. I said, mm-hmm. if you go hire somebody and you train them good and they do 80% of the job that you're doing, I'll never notice. I said, as a matter of fact, after you wash my cars, I don't even, I don't even look at them anymore. I just get it because I know it's going to be good. I get in, I drive off. I didn't mm-hmm. even look at it. I got in the car. I didn't even look at it. I know it's done, right? So if you train mm. somebody to do 80% as good of a job as you, you can have four more trucks running at the same time, and all of your clientele still would love you and still would be happy. But mm-hmm. what you're scared of is that that person won't do 100% of the job the same way that you will. Well, nobody said they needed to. You can do no, that dude's his own bottleneck. And that's right? how it works. So a lot of times that thought of perfection, that thought that you have to be perfect at doing something in order to do it great, that is what scares people from growth and elevation inside of themselves. And he took that and he ran with it um, and, and, and is growing it now. But that opened up an eye to him because he was like, what? Oh, my God. The whole time I've been thinking yeah, this way, but all of a sudden now I got that perfection out of the way that thought of perfection or chasing perfection. And now it allows me to be the greatest, um, the greatest company I could possibly be. You know what I'm saying? I love it, dude. That's a great job being there for that guy and, you know, giving him a little leadership and it's cause you believed in him. Right? You, saw how work. And you want him to, you want to help him scale. You want him to be, you know, you want him to have bitlies yeah. of his own, right? You want him. Yeah. So listen, man, I think one of the biggest things, like, you know, we could talk about, you know, your time at Florida all day long, um, but I think the one thing that is going to interest my audience and it interests me because I went through it myself, the transition mm-hmm. from being an athlete to a normal person. Like I know you struggled with some stuff, you know, couldn't even watch the game of football for a while. I couldn't even look at a baseball for years, yeah. dude. So let's, let's walk the audience through a little bit, something like that. And then, and then I want to get to what you're doing now and talk about your book because I want everybody on here. I'm going to put a link and I want everybody to buy your new yeah. book, dude. I mean, it's straight there up. you go. Well, so. you know, interesting story with me. Um, after winning the national championship, I, I was like at an all time high of football. And ultimately mm-hmm. that be that, that ended up being my all time high in football. Right. Because sure. I got drafted in the seventh round when I was supposed to get drafted in the first or second lost about $16 million in one day on that. Yeah, but you stayed an extra year too, right. though, no, didn't you? No, no, no. I, I left early, right? Oh, so I okay. drafted in okay. the seventh round, right? And um, and when I submitted my papers, it said it's anywhere as late as the second round. So okay, I'm gonna go make some money for my family, right? Um, get mm-hmm. drafted in the seventh round, but not only do I get drafted in the seventh round, I get drafted to the San Diego Chargers, and they have a guy drafted a middle linebacker drafted in the third round, the same exact year, right? So. Lo and behold, here I go, right? Just me and this, me and this guy. And of course, they want him to play because they want to yeah. justify the draft pick, right? Uh, so course. I fight, beat him out for two years, end up uh, leading the NFL in special teams tackles my second year. And that was a whole shift, right? Like having to assume a new role. I went from leader and captain of a team to being a special team player, right? And getting a special teams uh, tag on me. Um, fought that out. Mm-hmm actually got to start my third and fourth years and it was time to get paid, right? Like, okay, here's my next mm-hmm. time to get paid. I've been four years in the NFL and now it's time. To, and then what happens? 
the NFL lockout. Right? So then it's like, oh, mm-hmm. God, all these guys are signing for nothing. So, okay, like, got to go prove myself another year. Go to Kansas. Yep, I'm in more. the best shape of my life, having the best training camp I could have. Last play of the last preseason game, bang, tear my Achilles. It's like, well, what the hell? Right? Come so on, man. Then my last year, we're playing, and one of my best friends on the team plays Mike Linebacker with me. Javon Belcher shoots himself in the head at mm-hmm. the Kansas City facility, right? And I'm on my way. As I pull in, he does this, right? Um, that was on a Saturday. We played on Sunday. And everywhere that his name was, they kind of just scratched his name out, put mine. And mentally, the toll of that, having to play a game on Sunday, it wore on me. Mm-hmm. It, it made me fall out of love with the game. And um, I retired after that year, right? Um, I knew I was going to be gone. I enrolled back in school. I was a 3.8 GPA student. Um, and I would have finished in three years because I ultimately that was the plan. But in football, it's really the two and a half years because then you got to go train for the combine or whatnot. So mm-hmm. Enrolled, went back to school, uh, went and talked in front of uh, the Gator Boosters because I knew – there was when I went into and when I approached um, having to retire from the NFL, I knew that I had to do something else that it was a, that was a career. I didn't want a job, right? And right. how I told this to people was going to be very uh, important on the next steps of my life. So I went and met with uh, Gator Club, Gator Boosters, and I told them, I said, "Look, I'm a leader. Um, I'm a smart individual, and I have money, right?" So I'm not I'm not mowing lawns and I'm not looking for a job. I'm looking for a career. And if you have any careers where you need fresh eyes, some 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 strong leadership, and you need somebody to bring an element that is outside of the circle and sphere that you've had in this company for a while, then I'm your guy, right? Mm. And they bid on me like Shark Tank, right? So they everybody was like by the time i got done speaking everybody's like oh gotta have them right um and i ended up choosing Mm -hmm. and and even urban Meyer was trying to get me to coach at that time and i knew coaching wasn't i bet and i was like look i'm you know i'm a a family guy right i want to be at every football game Mm -hmm. for my kids i want to do all of this and i and coaching in that industry if i was going to be the best i wasn't gonna have time enough to do it no. And I love that about you, man. Yeah, I just got to say. That's, that was just unacceptable to me. You know, um, for people, my best friend is is a special teams coach at Maryland. Great for him. Right. For me, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going down that path. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I ended up choosing CMEX, which was one of the biggest cement companies in the world. Right. Um, and a guy yeah. 10 years before me that played in Florida, David Nabavi, uh, he gave me an opportunity to manage, you know, the ready mix department. Um, and I built a bunch of apartment complexes all around Central Florida, right? Um, built big tilt wall buildings for Amazon and that kind of stuff. And I had, I thought that I was doing pretty well, right? You're making six figures, got a company car, mm-hmm. you're the boss, you know. And I thought that I was doing pretty well, but there was something inside of me that said, look, I'm not doing, this isn't why God put me here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I know exactly. This what isn't you're why saying. he gave me all of the ability. I wasn't like other 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 football players, right? I was always the smart guy, 
right? And in Kansas mm-hmm. City, you know, I played with three other Pro Bowl linebackers, but I had the mic in my ear. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and yeah. it was, I was like, you know, I got to be, there's something that he put inside of me. Uh, uh, there's a reason that he put all of this inside of me. And I had about six of my boys that were trying to get disabilities from the NFL and they were failing. Mm-hmm. So they came to me and asked for my help. I'm like, let me look into this. And the more and more I dug, the more and more I found that there was a disconnect. You know, there were things that um, that we didn't know or that we didn't know how to do. There were obstacles that we uh, just naturally could not do, right? So I said, oh my God, nobody's gonna know this. I don't know this. I'm one of the swarwas, right? I was like, and nobody knows mm-hmm. this. Nobody that I know knows this, right? So I said, shoot, I can help these guys out. And I got those six guys with disability. Mm-hmm. And um, I was dealing with my mental health right before that, right? And I was like, you know, I got I got these guys with disability. This is what this is what I need to be doing. Like, cause somebody has to mm-hmm. get this right. Somebody has to do this for these guys. So I, that's how my company started, right? And then there, Amazing. from there, you just problem solve, right? You start figuring out what the price is and all of that corporate experience that I got over those two and a half years at CMEX, I was able to throw mm-hmm. that into the, book, the bucket when building my company and say, okay, mm-hmm. look, this is how much it's going to cost. At this time, we'll increase the price. At this time, boom, boom. This is when I hire a person. This is how I train up this person. And I started using those same philosophies. I started making, being able to train people and then replicate myself in this area and replicate myself in that area. And amazing. Five and a half years uh, later, now I represent over 5,000 NFL players. And I'm basically like the Amazon in that market, right? I get guys disabilities. So cool. Um, I also have two rehab facilities where it's, only athletes, right? Because we mm-hmm. know as professional athletes that if for us to heal mentally, right, for us to open up mentally and and be able to get the healing that we need, a lot of times we need to be around and in a circle of people that's going to understand the exact same things that we understand. Going through the same problems we go Bro. through, you know, no offense, but the normal regular person that's uh, that, that we consider just a drug addict off the street and you go put them in a group meeting with a guy that's famous, that that's famous to an extent, that's had a career in the NFL, and we're sharing back and forth in the room. Just doesn't feel right. Doesn't, doesn't feel, feel right, right. Man. Like, like you, I'm not letting yeah. you in, right? But if you go with yeah. and and we got our facility out in Oxnard, we basically it's like glamp rehab, right? Because of course you got to have it mm-hmm. glammed up for these guys. So we have. Um, houses on the water it's three to five million dollar houses they go they get their treatment they go see psychiatrists psychologists neurologists neuroscience they get brain mapping tms therapy but they also have a private chef that cooks mm. them three meals a day they get massage therapy they do boxing yoga um we're even mm. into um implementing um you know uh art art therapy from the art of olympians um uh, charity that's going to go out there and help these guys to do art for when the Olympics comes to LA, they'll have somewhere for the art to go up um, inside of, you know, uh, what they put together for the Olympics. So we got a lot of things going on out there and the amount of guys that come to me and say, Hey man, 
you saved my family. You saved my relationship with my kids. You saved my marriage. You saved my life. That right there is what ultimately gets me on an all-time high. And I don't yeah, rather be doing anything else in the world than what I'm doing, right? I'm still in it with my guys, right? Everybody picks at me because I'm brother, brother, brother. I always say brother, right? First mm -hmm. text message to you, right? Hey, I love it, man. That was the, ener that was the energy. I'm like, like, oh, okay, and okay. It's because most of the time I'm working with my brothers and I still mm -hmm. get to win with my brothers. Occasionally yeah, I lose man. with my brothers, but they know that I'm fighting yeah. and they know that I'm fighting the same way that I was fighting when you see me on the documentary for us to win and become champions, I'm fighting for those guys the same way to change and make a big impact in their life. So that's where I'm at. And that's why, Dude. that's how the whole thing grew. That. That's how it started. That's how, you know, mm -hmm. now I own 11 companies and we, and, and you know, I had a book. Um, I have a definition of a leader, leadership academy that'll be rolling out next month. Um, oh, really? You have an academy? Online academy, out. yes. Where... Very nice. What, can you talk about that? or? Yeah, so the Academy is is kind of like a different style at leadership, right? Because everybody's mm -hmm. going to tell you kind of the same things with leadership, right? Well, I look at leadership a lot different, and I say this in my, in my book, right? A lot of times they'll tell you that in leadership, you have to uh, find somebody that does it like you, right? Find somebody that does it like you would see yourself doing it. That's very helpful. Right. But what if you have mm -hmm. what if you're in a, in a in a place where you don't have that? Right. Because growing up in Pine Hills, I didn't have many people that I said, oh, I could go talk to this guy. He's doing everything that I ever want to do in life. Right. And even the average person. Right. I have friends like Ja Rule and Jamie Foxx and I've met President Obama. Mm -hmm. Right. I can go up to these people and have these conversations. Most people can't. Right. So what happens right. when you can't have right. those conversations with those people and learn um, directly from mm -hmm. those people? What you have to do is re-engineer your vision, right? So you mm -hmm. have to see what the people are doing on doing around you that's making them unsuccessful, right? And do opposite, right? When yeah. I why do I, why did I go my whole uh, all through elementary, middle school, high school, college? I've always made straight A's. And the reason was because the people that were around me, they made D's and F's, right? Mm -hmm. They were terrible people in the community. They, you know, they wasn't, they wasn't doing the right thing after school. And I said, I'm yeah. going to be different than them, right? I'm going to be, I'm going to be a I good like person. It. I'm going to be the person that's mm -hmm. making the A's and B's, that's studying. I want to do something different than the people that are around me are doing. And I think everybody bought into that when they saw me doing those things and how strongly I cared to do that. Mm -hmm. And it now you see where it gives motivation. It gives that strength uh, to a lot of people that aspire to be something greater. Um, and I have people that come up to me all the time like, man, you and your wife, y'all, you know, we've been together since high school. Uh, you and your wife, you know, y'all inspire us. Right. We met in middle school. So the people that have known us our whole so time. Awesome. Right. They've known us the whole time, and now they see it, all of the things that we're doing. They're like, "Look, we could do this. We could get. We could do better. We could do this. We could do that." And it inspires people. So, mm -hmm. um, a lot of it is 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 that. Like, you're gonna get that uncandid 
leadership stuff. And a lot of my stories of how I became that kind of leader is going to be inside of that leadership course where you're going to get still the same curriculum of like the real leadership, what takes what takes for leadership, mm-hmm. what happens in these scenarios. But then the where it separates itself, you're going to get these individual stories and real life stories and real, real ways that you put this stuff in place in your life and how I did it in mine so that you could be successful, you know? I think it's great. You know, leadership, just like you said earlier, in entrepreneurship is a lot about problem solving, right? So in this case, I mean, it's all problem solving, right? You find a problem, you solve it, right? And then you work backwards from that. Like how to, you know, what, what's the market for it? What's a charge, et cetera. You know, when, when you're looking at, you know, your marriage that you met your, you met Pam when you were back in middle school and now, you know, you start dating in high school or whatever it was. And now here we are as adults, right? And you guys are building these companies, building this life for you and your children. And people are inspired of it is because you problem solve Mm -hmm. Cause you looked at everybody else and you saw what everybody else was doing. Cause you had the opportunity of seeing what all other football players did on the road in the sec. You saw what they were doing in the NFL. It's like, well, if I want a successful marriage, maybe I do the opposite, there you go. right? Maybe I just do things differently. And that's the one thing that, that I'm just sitting here, not the one thing, but one of the things that I'm blown away by, because that's exactly how yeah. I am. That's exactly how I am. And, and if I want a certain amount of success in my career or with my show, I look at, what everybody else is doing. And I go, okay, maybe I'll do the opposite, right? Maybe I'll grow organically instead of buy listens and downloads. Maybe I'll, you know, really try to gain relationship capital of my own with, with a brand in Siler just by being a good dude, mm-hmm. right? This, that's a difference. Everybody else wants to just pay for mm-hmm. it. They just want, you know, they want to show up on these stages. They want to pay all this money and buy friends. I'm not about that. And if I can't make it in this industry long-term because of that, I'm okay with it because, but I know I will, but I know I will. And then my relationships with dudes like you are going to be actually right. There you go. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's just like in this, in this industry now, um, since Netflix, you can only imagine all of the different things, you know, I've been on Fox and I've been on Fox a couple shows. Uh, I saw you. I saw you doing a lot of pickleball stuff, bro. Yeah. So the business of pickleball is not one that's crazy yet, but I was my, Mm -hmm. my, my, my partner, Ryan Sherry, he's one of the top pickleball players in the world. And we Mm -hmm. started about five years ago into this pickleball mania um, as well. And it has grown up and blossomed into something that's crazy, right? So we've mm-hmm. always been there. We were ahead of the curve a lot where I played in tournaments and developed, and I kind of go back and forth from golf to pickleball, golf to pickleball. Um, and it was like with him growing and playing it all the time, it put me in that sense of like the business of pickleball, what can be done mm-hmm. as it grows and that kind of stuff. And that's more of the fact of where I'm at with the whole pickleball mm. situation, like the business of pickleball, it, where dude. it takes off to. So it. that's where pickleball is with me. I love to play the game. I think it's a great game. I love the fact that we were just, um, the owners of Publix have just opened up a pickleball court um, in Lakeland, right? And, and the mm. brand opening was yesterday. And they invited us up to play pickleball and they had this big tournament and um invited us up so go sit and eat dinner with the owners of Publix, right 
And it's cool. one family, right? And they're not even a publicly traded company. It's just one nice little family that just went whoosh and they keep it together. Built the golf course all for themselves, right? And it was just like, crazy. wow. You know, it's like, what in the heck? The same dude that built a course, you know? So, but able to yeah. be in that circle and be around those people allows you to understand that there's a consistency of successful people. Right. They all are uh, very oriented on problem solving and understanding that things aren't going to be lined up perfect. But all you have to do is just figure them out. You go, you keep going, you keep pushing. And when something gets in the way, you figure it out and you keep rolling. You know what I'm saying? So I've learned that through all of my successful friends, sitting around them, talking to them, being able to have these conversations with people that like own Publix. I got a partner that's the vice president of, of, of Firemark Bank and was the CEO of mm. Chico's clothing store, right? The white. Oh, down here in the fourth. Yeah, huh? white market, black market, right? So he, he did that, blew that company up, right? And then 30 years later, retired. And now is one of my, uh, is a small partner in our business, right? So these are the people that I'm able to um, learn from and to take things from that I can utilize and what I'm doing in my academy and what I do in my book is try to give people insight to um, take advantage of those things without meeting those people, right? Um, able mm. to use those things without meeting those people, right? And that's where, that is the genuineness of wanting to help people, right? When I did the book and yeah. when I did the academy, it's about, okay, let me help you to establish, let me give you sort of some type of playbook or uh, rhyme or reason or how I did it. And there were certain people that influenced me and things that I took out of my life that switched how I did things. And you can do the same thing in your yeah. life and become successful in business and entrepreneurship. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I think it's important, man, especially, you know, seeing the success you had, you know, in your career, you know, football and then going into entrepreneurship and into real life. And like I, we touched on earlier, athletes really struggle with that. When, when they retire, retire early from a sport, whether it's because of an injury or they were forced out or whatever it is like, bro, something psychological happens. In fact, I'm preparing a Ted talk right now for yeah. it. And I I'm sending applications everywhere. So, you know, the bottom line is I know it's going to get picked up. I know I'm going to go talk about it. Right? I know it's going to get accepted. And, and, you know, for me, they created a massively hurt individual. Like I was so hurt. I did dumb stuff and I hurt people, not physically, but emotionally. And it was just, I didn't have somebody like you. Right. And that's my point. That's, that's the reason I wanted you on the show. Yeah. You know, Swamp Kings, that was the catalyst. I'm like, oh, shoot. Like Brandon's doing some cool stuff in his life. I should probably dig into right. that. Right. And so for me, it's about bringing this message, you know, so, cause I have professional, former professional athletes that listen to this show. It's like, Hey, like they listen to this. There might be some ways that they can partner with you and, and get your message out even further. And for you to continue to help people and pour into their lives. I mean, that truly is your purpose. Right. Could you imagine still working at C-Max? Like, like, dude, like that's not your purpose. Yeah. Like I know what my purpose mm -hmm. is. Like, and I'm fighting like hell every day to fulfill yeah. it. And, and and I love CMAX, don't get me wrong, because they gave me. Yeah, no, it was great company, man. Of what, you know, why I was able to build what I was able to build, you know, the corporate sense of it. Um, mm -hmm. But sure. but also, I see this every day, 
our guys retiring from football. And I'm 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 a piece of, I'm a little piece of this small part of sports where I was one of the guys that walked out. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you think yeah. about it, even all of the athletes, all of the greats that you hear over time, they don't the game walks away from them. They don't mm-hmm. walk away from the game, mm-hmm. right? There's only a very, very small percent, maybe two, three percent, that say. The only dude, honestly, the the only guy I could really think of other than you is Barry Sanders. Somebody like that, right? That that that, and and there are other instances, but they're very few and far between sure. because you wanted to do this your whole life. You know, unfortunately for me, it yeah. was because I fell in love with the game because of traumatic death, um, and something happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But for two yeah. years, they still called me and said, hey, you're going to play football, I'm going to play football. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. No, I'm good. You know? I'm, good. I'm, done. <laughs> I'm done playing football. Right. But what I've seen over time and what I see with other individuals is the mental state that happens with that. Right. If I have given mm-hmm. this sport my whole life and even I had this, this, this happened to me, I dare this sport move on without me. Mm. Right. I dare this sport move yeah. on without me. And I have one of my good friends that played long time in the NFL, right? Um, we had a we had a conversation um sitting out in the back porch, just kicking it, having a couple of drinks, and we have a conversation. And he says, you know, I don't understand the negative stigma that comes with saying that I'm Brandon Sala, you know. Uh, you know, I played in the NFL. I'm the NFL football player, right? Like, why is that such a negative stigma? That's what I did. That's who I am, right? And I said, I said, see, that's where you get it misconstrued, right? I'm also Brandon Solid, a high school graduate. Mm-hmm. I'm also Brandon Sala, uh, the the number two high school recruit in the country. But I don't say that. And do you know why? But dude, like this, this is it. Sorry, go and ahead. I man. said, do you know why I don't say that? Because those are things that I did. That is not what I'm doing mm-hmm. or who I am currently. And when you find what you want to do and what you want to do after you get done playing, you want to attach yourself to that. You use what you've done in your past to make it better for what you're doing now. But when you find something else, you want to go be that. Because I was 25 years old, played six years in the NFL, and I was 25, 26 years old when I retired. So Mm -hmm. now from 25, 26, let's say that I'm going to live to 80, right? Like, you ain't even halfway, right? You barely pass a quarter way, you know, of, of, of... where are you going to be in life or who you're going to be in life? And you retired. So now mm-hmm. holding and clinging on to that, in a sense, is just be not, not being able to identify what you want to do and where you want to go with the rest of your life. You know, Dude, this is so important because this is all about identity. This is exactly my right? point. This is exactly my point, Brandon. It's like, listen. I played baseball at LSU. You played you played football. You were an NFL player. That's not who we are. It's stuff that we did, right? Who am I? Right? And and I think that's the big I know that's the big disconnect because when these athletes 
they don't have someone like you. They don't have a, that, that purpose, someone to help them guide them afterwards, their usher in, back into real life, so to speak, or outside of their sport. They don't know who the hell they are. Right. That's when the depression sets in. That's when they get in trouble with alcohol. That's when they get in trouble with drugs. The law. That's when they, the law, they, they drink too much and they hop in a car, go 150 and kill somebody. And they're now, boom, they're gone. Yeah. They're in prison. The rest yeah, of them. And, and like, so I just, you know, yeah. And I think, and, and that's why my rehab facility is so important to me. Right. Mm-hmm. It's because mm-hmm. you go out there for 30 to 60 days and you're locked in. And for them 30 to 60 days, it allows you to be selfish. Mm-hmm. Right. Because think about what we do as athletes. We go make it for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Usually when we get there, we want to take care of everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we get done. And most of those people that we were taking care of and looking out for, they disappear or they call us stupid for blowing it or they, you know, anything. It's like, well, I was blowing it on you. You out. Yeah. You know, how can you call me stupid? I was caring about you. Yeah. Nice house. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, um, it's like when you go out there, now it allows you to be selfish again. And it allows you to find yourself. Mm-hmm. Who am I, really? What do I want right. to do? Right. You know, why am I feeling this way? And then once you start being able to identify those things, then now you can progress and say, okay, look, uh, what things do I need to do in order to be able to do the things that I like to do, the things that I love to do, mm-hmm. the person that I really want to become? Right. And one of the things that I think is awesome about us getting guys disability is because the very first thing that you have to figure out is financially how you're going to survive. Right. So mm-hmm. you could talk about all this hoopla, hoopla all you want. The bills got to be paid. And guys like us mm-hmm. can't just go to Mickey D's or Subway and go get a job in the community. Right. No. Uh, mm-hmm. So this disability, we get them a disability for seven and a half years. 15 years or pretty much for the rest of their life. Right. And that helps you figure out the financial part of it. Now Mm -hmm. you go out to the facility, you, you get your mind, right. You understand what things you want to do, why you were thinking of yourself a certain way and being able to re-engineer that. Um, We also do some neuron work where you can really see neurons that basically have disrupted and aren't connected. It's just like a muscle. Wow. Like, let's say wow. you tear a muscle, right? The problem with tearing a muscle is that, you know, you can't get from here to there. It ain't communicating, right? Same thing happens mm-hmm. when you have a traumatic brain injury or something happens in your head, right? So now there's TMS that can massage and ice and stem those neurons in your brain, basically, and get that back healthy to make that connection back stronger. And that connection is basically the difference between looking at the same exact situation, glass glass half full, compared to looking at it glass half empty, right? And you can be looking at the Mm. same exact thing. And that's where, you know, when you start connecting back to that, because in order to make it as a pro athlete, you got to have a shit ton of, 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 of fight in you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like everybody wants to be a pro yeah. athlete. So you get there, sure. you got some shit in you that other people don't have, right? And now you have Word. to find yeah. out how to use that shit that you got inside you in other ways than what you always used it for and what you always wanted to mm. use it for. 
And that is where you make that connect. You know what I'm saying? And that's where you're able to I do, that's man. Where something else in life. Oh, bro, man. Look, dude, I, I appreciate you coming on. We're going to land the plane here. For those of you listening, I just really encourage you to dive into Brandon Seiler at bseiler.com. Pick up his book. Um, you know, learn about leadership and really when his academy is launched, I, I really encourage everybody to go check it out, enroll in it and, and, you know, see how he can help you. And, but more than anything, guys, I want you to share this episode with your favorite athlete, your favorite former athlete and all of Brandon's contact information with his companies and everything like that are going to be in the show notes. So that way you guys can be connected. And if you're one of those players that is retired, that are looking for some help and some aid, Brandon's your guy. So Brandon, dude, dude, thank you so much. And, uh, I, I cannot wait to connect with you more. And, uh, dude, I just appreciate yeah, you. Thank you for on. having me, Sean. We're, we're actually starting baseball disability too. So, uh, Oh, okay. Uh, we're going okay. To- well, you know me, man. I know a lot yeah, of baseball players. So I'll, so. Be, I'll be in contact <laughs> with you, uh, uh, with you about it, but, uh, we're doing our yep. first few cases right now to help these guys out, but we'll be in contact. Thank you, man. I appreciate you for having me. It was fun kicking it with you, man. You know it, baby. Only the beginning. Peace. Southwest Florida is one of the most beautiful places on the planet to live. For those of you that are thinking of moving from other states to come to Florida, or even just moving to a different part of the state, I want you to think of a big, beautiful luxury home. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders. They are a family-owned and operated luxury residential construction company. As a family-owned business, they believe in the power of building not just homes, but legacies. Contact Legacy Luxury Builders. Unlock your true potential on the field and court with a peak mental performance program for athletes. Train your mind to conquer challenges, stay focused under pressure, and achieve unparalleled success. Our expert coaches will guide you through personalized techniques, enhancing concentration, resilience, and confidence. Picture yourself outperforming your rivals, making split-second decisions with clarity, and achieving victory like never before. Join us today and elevate your game to new heights. Peak Mental Performance Program, where champions are forged in the mind. Email me today, sean.french at thedeterminedsociety.com for more information. See you inside.